Hello and welcome to this episode of the Drum Network Podcast. I'm Senior Reporter for the Drum, Chris Sutcliffe. We are very keenly aware from the flurry of interest that we had when we announced we were doing a growth marketing podcast that it's something that is very high up the agenda of many of our members, and rightly so. It provides the opportunity for brands to develop longer-term relationships with consumers, really transform their entire business in order to cater for the desires of the brands on whose behalf we work, and more importantly, it's an opportunity for us to reinvent marketing as a whole as well. So, in order to discuss absolutely everything to do with growth marketing, from what sets growth marketing apart from other types of marketing activity, to how we get buy-in from brands and partners to take the long view instead of chasing short-term gains, I'm joined by four fantastic guests. So on this week's episode, we are joined by Heather Barnett, Chris Jones, Farad Kudaruth, and Tom Davies in order to go through absolutely everything to do with growth marketing and our place in it. To begin with, I asked all our guests to introduce themselves. So I'm Heather Barnett. I'm head of marketing at The Marketing Practice. We're a global integrated B2B agency. We've got around 400 people um, and offices in the US, UK, Germany and Australia. Very nice. So you have a very expansive view of everything that's going on around growth growth marketing. Fantastic. Absolutely. And you, Tom? I'm uh, Tom Davies. I'm a senior consultant um, at Frog Design. We're part of Capgemini Invent, so we're a, a global creative consultancy, um, both and specifically sit within the brand and content practice, uh, focused on helping uh, CMOs to drive real-time marketing uh, and growth as a result. Perfect. And Fred? I am Farad Kudrith. I'm uh, the CEO of 3 Pipe Reply. We're a digitally focused marketing agency within the, the Reply network of companies, which is uh, about 150 companies globally. Um, focusing uh, across technology and marketing and, and data solutions. And last but not least, Chris. Yeah, hi, I'm uh, Chris Jones. I'm Managing Director at um, Space and Time. We're a growth marketing uh, agency, so we're based across um, five UK offices. Um, we've just ticked over 130 people. Um, and the way we we like to work, I'll talk a lot about it, I'm sure, as we go through the um, the podcast, but... Um, really, in a nutshell, um, we find the way that we work and the way that we engage with clients enables them ultimately to unearth um, any growth opportunities that uh, that they may or may not know exist in their in their business, and, and we're there to help uh, really facilitate that. Amazing. Well, in which case, let's stick with you there, Chris, because I think that for a lot of the listeners, what they want to know is what your definition of growth marketing is. You know, there's endless um, iterations of what it actually looks like, whether that be experimentation in terms of future growth or, you know, even finding those instant uh, opportunities to expand the, the IP. So what would you say then is is growth marketing? What sets it apart from other types of marketing activity? Sure. So it, it, it's actually, um, so f- for, for me, I was personally involved in the and and in, in the kind of complete repositioning of the agency about two years ago now and um and it was about a year's worth of work doing it um so i can tell you it's going to be quite a difficult one to answer and kind of <laughs> to, to yeah uh, to get it out there in the next kind of like couple of minutes but for us um it kind of breaks down into um three things really um a big part of why we felt growth marketing was a relevant positioning for our business at least was that um, we felt that we'd always the way that we operate the way we work with clients the partnerships that we develop with them um, were kind of only really enabled because the business had a huge amount of, of inherent commerciality within the mm. business and we built a lot of kind of um, uh, we've done a fair bit of work to, to try and flesh out what we mean by commerciality and for us um, a big part of that is is a fundamental kind of ongoing desire to unearth new opportunities, potential, 
uh, an appreciation of the kind of wider context of the industry that our clients operate in. Um, a really good example of that is when you work in, you know, so we work with, say, a lot of property clients, for instance, a, an incredibly commercially demanding sector, um, which, you know, any change to government legislation, uh, inflation rates, um, you know, there are so many different aspects that have a huge bearing on that industry. And for us, when we have client leads that work with 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 our clients, uh, if they don't have a, a sort of commercial approach to how they work with them and an appreciation of the wider context of their industry, then it's really difficult to deliver growth marketing. So for us, commerciality was a big part. The second is that, um, and I know we'll cover a fair bit of this later on, will be about focusing on the whole customer journey and yeah. all touch points. So I think in the past, probably agencies have been slightly guilty of maybe focusing on those short-term um, pre-acquisition um, touch points for a user. So they drive you know, their short-term outcomes for clients, but does that really translate into long-term value to the clients? So for us, again, it wasn't necessarily a complete shift for the agency. It was just a realization that the, what we do and the way that we work with clients goes much further than those, those, those early touch points. We're, we're much more about generating long-term value and advocacy for the brands and, and nice. the clients we work with. And the last thing really is, is really focusing on outcomes. So um, we talk a lot about growth marketing outcomes, um, which ultimately, when we work the way that we talk to clients, it's all around those deliverables. It's not a case of, you know, I'm, I, I, I do not allow us to talk in hours or minutes or starting a meter and working with clients. Uh, the work that we do for clients is all aligned with delivering growth marketing outcomes that are aligned with their objectives. Mm. So that focus on, on growth marketing outcomes and us and a mutual understanding both agency and client as to what those objectives are mean that, um, that ultimately if, uh, you know, if we're generating those final outcomes, then, then everyone's happy. So for me, it's those three things. I'm just going to use that as an explanation for when people ask me what growth marketing is. In the future. I'm just going <laughs> yes, to memorize that transcription. Yeah, pretty much. But uh, Heather, when we're talking about commerciality there and almost this kind of long-term focus on growth, is that something that is inherent to growth marketing? Is a sort of slightly longer view on, on what is possible when actually communicating with potential consumers? Um, I think it's... A it's not an either or, I'd mm. say. So definitely when we talk about growth marketing in the best possible uh, sense of, of what it can achieve, we're talking about um, thinking about the brand building side of things. So making sure that, uh, yes, over the long term, we've got consistency um, in B2B to make sure that, that with the, the great big long sales cycles that we have, you have to have campaigns running over long periods of time. Yeah. But you, you also do have near-term targets. So you, you have to be hitting your targets within the short term as well. But I think it is a lot of it is about trying to bring together the long and the short term. So not having, you know, having the same sets of KPIs and measures and same business objectives, bringing together those different disciplines that might have been working separately beforehand, working together across different teams in the organization. So from us, for a, you know, an integrated B2B approach, that's what we're talking about. It's not an either or. It's, it's trying to get everything to work together against a growth target and a growth objective. Nice. Fantastic. That's again, that's that's definitely going in my definition of what growth marketing is <laughs> next time I need it. And Tom, I saw you nodding along particularly to what Chris was saying around commerciality. So what does sort of where do you see that that fitting into the wider conversation around growth marketing? 
Yeah, I, I think the reason I nod along to it, I mean, it's, it's something that I'd noted down as well. Um, yeah, uh, it's definitely something I see as, as a differentiating factor. I think when you look at some uh, forms of marketing, traditional forms of marketing, more like brand, they look at uh, maybe data points which are more sort of engagement focused. Um, at, whereas I think growth marketing is far more focused on commercial data points um, inherently because you're looking at the whole funnel and you're trying to find those bottlenecks um, and, and unblock those bottlenecks in the funnel um, that inherently links down to a, re- a commercial result. Um, and so for me, I, I think growth marketing sits at the heart of the business. You know, it is central to a business's success. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think one of the biggest differentiators is, is that data piece. And it, it's ensuring that you're looking at the right data points um, to unlock that growth. Um, and I just want to pick up on what Heather said, um, certainly agree in terms of the short and long-term view. I think from my point of view, I've seen businesses where as long as the short-term view, there's definitely areas to unlock short-term growth. And there's usually untapped areas is where you can unlock that short-term growth result. I think as long as it doesn't turn into complacency and you end up trying to find that silver bullet and sticking with it, and you end up over-reliance on sort of a single channel, it has to be part a balance between short-term goals and long-term strategy for sustainable mm. growth. I mean, there's there's so much there we can unpack, and I know we will over the course of the podcast. But um, Farad, before we get into that, I know that Three Pipe Reply is a kind of brand performance agency. I'd just be keen to see where you actually think that there is a, or if there is even a differentiation between what growth marketing is and sort of that focus on brand performance. You know, it, it's an interesting one. I was listening to Chris talk about how they they reposition their their agency in terms of of, of what they were doing. I think, um, forgive me, I don't know what the positioning was was beforehand, but I think part of this is also about the, the roots and the evolution of, of where your business may have come from to the points that, that you've got to. So whenever I think about growth I, or growth marketing, I look at the our agencies, the core of it, once upon a time, was a very performance-driven uh, digital media agency. So actually, a lot of the areas you're talking about in terms of experimentation, reliance on data, yes, sometimes within a slightly narrower world than it should have been, but the core principles for me are the same. And many, many years ago, even before the existence of digital, I was a direct marketer. Mm. Um, and actually, again, some of the principles about how you design an envelope and how you get people to open it and, and the process is different. But actually, were you using a lot of the same variables, maybe not as much data? And for me, there's, there's just an evolution, a broadening of that. And I think what's been interesting for us from a brand performance point of view is a lot of the clients that we've worked with are, have probably been the other way around. Mm. So actually, with a, a tremendous focus on measurability growth, not necessarily with the right emphasis on you know tom mentioned overvaluing channels and you know all of the challenges that come with being too direct sometimes and the journey that we've taken them on from both a kind of mindset technology and changing data um, and legislation and privacy framework point of view which is obviously going to be the piece that really affects some of the things that we can do in some of these areas over the next couple of years is trying to build a world in which they can start understanding the impact of some of the other things they do in the offline world like TV or out of home and build it within frameworks that give you digital and understanding. And let's be honest, you can't get to the same level of granularity because it's not possible, but at least the commonality of how you start putting some of these pieces together, what the moving levers are that you can actually change and run underneath them and how you build a more effective marketing model and a marketing mix, knowing that actually those data levers can go from super granularity at one point to actually, you know, optimal channel mix at the other point and understanding how those pieces come together. And I'd be lying to say if we figured it out at 100% because we haven't, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's been quite an interesting journey because the answer is always slightly different for different people. 
Absolutely. And I'm going to have to ask you all to stop preempting my next questions because uh, you have already sort of teed up everything we're going to be discussing about this podcast. But one thing I do want to touch upon before we get into kind of the wider conversations around uh, how we do growth marketing on behalf of brands is just a question about data, because we've all spoken about that to some extent now. I wonder, Tom, to what extent then is this surfeit of data to which we now have access, is that making growth marketing easier to do or is it making it harder to sort of communicate as a sort of you know good versus bad type um type situation when we talk to clients yeah i i don't think it's one or the other i i think it's not making it harder if if an organization is not doing uh it is not focusing and not doing well with growth marketing i don't think that an increase in data necessarily makes them worse it's it um i think it's just that you risk falling behind the curve. Um, There is a a plethora of information now um, that you can collect on users. And if you're not sort of bringing that together in a cohesive way and not leveraging that data and not looking at the right data points for growth, I think you risk um, being overtaken by your competition. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily inherently think it will make organizations that aren't there already any worse. You could argue, you know, a sort of wood for the trees sort of scenario, but I I, I don't see that. I think it's just vital to have the right technology people and skills in place to to leverage that data, to pull it together. You know, I think DXP is vital as we move towards, you know, harnessing that data streamlining the communication especially in an omni-channel sort of environment um so i think it's just making sure you've got the right capabilities in place to, to harness that um, rather than feeling like there's too much data and heather in terms of the kind of the b2b space when it's when you're talking about data then obviously you've, we've in the b2b mm. space had access to very accurate data on consumers and existing customers for a very long time how does this new access that we have to data from third-party sources actually impact how we do growth marketing effectively I think it's interesting, just listening to what Tom was saying and thinking that the difference that we have in B2B actually is because our target audience is that much smaller and more manageable, I think actually when it comes to us doing growth marketing, the challenge is more internally. So it's the data Mm. that we hold internally. So if you've got a great big multinational company um, and they want to be a company that can break down the silos between different organizations, uh, structures within the organization, different teams, so that they can share intelligence, so they can understand which projects are about to kick off, they could input to, um, you know, all those kinds of things. That's where the issue is, is actually, how do you share that intelligence? How do you know what intelligence is out there within a company? How do you know which stakeholders you need to get involved? And I think a lot of that, some of it is to do with platforms and, and systems and having the right things in place, but actually a lot of it is probably much deeper than that and it's it's down to how organizations are structured how teams are motivated to share information mm. and incentivized to do that between them so i think for b2b that that's more of a data challenge actually is how do you get to that point where, where teams and disciplines within marketing are fully integrated that's really interesting how's that changed over the last couple of years then is this something that has become kind of exacerbated by the amount of information which we have now um, I don't know if it's been exacerbated. Um, I think it's probably always been there as a problem, but maybe now the recognition that actually you can't do marketing well in silos means that people are starting to identify it as something that needs to be resolved uh, more imminently, more urgently. No, absolutely, that that totally makes sense. Yeah, it's a it's not a uh, a changing situation entirely. It's kind of a spurring and a recognition that we need to do that more effectively now. Nice, mm. and so. Given that we are, when we're talking about growth marketing, there is obviously a timescale involved there. We're actually thinking about measuring effectiveness of campaigns and of growth marketing uh, efforts over a longer term than kind of those one-off, very flashy executions that we sometimes do just to kind of get attention to a brand. 
Um, how hard is it to convince brands now in this kind of very, very quick turnaround era where everything needs to be done very quickly to take the long view instead of chasing some of those short-term gains? I wonder if, Chris, you've got an, uh, a view on that considering your transition. So um, I think one of the, the key things to probably appreciate as a marketeer in that respect is that um, different tiers of management and different and I think Heather kind of alluded to this is that you know there are different areas of different um, businesses that have kind of uh, will have different objectives and different timescales that they're trying to follow. So, for instance, you know, agents in, agencies in the past where they were typically working on behalf of the marketing departments within each of these different organisations, they tend to or they will tend to work within those financial years, you know, because mm-hmm. that's the way that the budget is allocated to that specific department and those key stakeholders are operating within that window. It's pretty rare that you're kind of generally working outside of that. And that's still kind of the case. I think something that's enabled by growth marketing is that you're able to broaden the conversation outside of just that, that part of the organization. So you're able to pull in a broader input from um, uh, whether it's like, so the technology one's really interesting. So we're having more conversations around uh, with their data and security teams, mm. um, with their legal teams, with, um, you know, their commercial teams around the systems and the processes that they operate. Because by having those conversations, um, we're able then to to enable different things to happen specifically within marketing. So whether that's use of data, application of data, you then also bring in, um, you know, so senior leadership. So senior leadership will be tending to operate on a very long-term view, you know, outside of just that fiscal. So they'll be thinking, okay, at what point am I looking at potentially raising uh, capital, IPO, selling the business, um, investment, all these different things, which could be further down the line. And for us, um, one of the big things and the way in which, um, you know, I think the best way to sort of to, to capitalize on this is that it goes back to the alignment piece is that if you're able to roadmap what those objectives are at each level of those, those different businesses and then align your deliverables with those objectives across every different part of that business at every different level, then ultimately you will continue to be entirely relevant to that business because you're always aligned. So, and that builds in short-term, long-term goals. Mm. It's just that the only thing that you're... Um, you're you're needing to adapt is ultimately the way in which you you kind of engage with a client on on to to deliver those. So if you if you're delivering something that's um, part of a kind of multifaceted approach to like a big data project or something like that, you know there are lots of smaller elements that contribute to a bigger piece of that to sort of a, a, an outcome that's due much further down the line. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the input and a lot of the work that you're doing to to get there is all kind of much shorter term but it's all with a view that in that roadmap you've got a much longer term goal at the end of it so can i throw this open then to the entire panel to what extent then is is the, is your role and the role of your organization to educate your potential clients on what is possible now through growth marketing is this something that they think is kind of very one-stop shop type thing or do you have to go to them and say well look this is the the the, the um, discipline, the practice of growth marketing is actually much broader than you have necessarily thought. How much of your time is spent doing that, I suppose? Actually, it tends not to be, as Chris has alluded to, necessarily with the marketing teams. The amount of times I spend with finance teams more so than marketing <laughs> teams from, from that senior level, I'm currently astonished that 
think last week I spoke to more C- uh, CFOs than I've spoken to any level of any organisation um, because we're obviously coming up to budgeting time for a, for a lot of people. Um, but I think that it goes hand in hand with um, the growth marketing piece goes hand in hand with the data conversations, the data architecture, cross channel across your business, what's happening with IT and security as Chris kind of alluded to. The, the pieces that you need to pull in to make the things work that you need to make work are a much broader conversation mm. and require kind of business change across a number of different sectors to make that work. And so, yes, I'm finding that increasingly with CEOs and CFOs in particular, I'm having more conversations about actually structurally the way you need to approach things and think about things is different. Um, And I'd like to combine that with privacy and data and all the horrible stuff that's about to happen with cookies to basically make that whole kind of argument. And and I think that's actually, for me, the other interesting bit is that's going to change how good a client has got to be with data. They've become so reliant on using third-party sources that actually, a bit like B2B where you don't have a lot of it and a lot of it's down to you having good stuff, consumer-facing organizations are about to learn that they're going to need to behave in exactly the same way. <laughs> well, that's good then, then Heather, you're out ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. Um, I think just from a B2B point of view, to answer your question, Chris, um, I think it's really only just now crystallizing as a term really for us in B2B in terms of what do we mean by growth marketing. We did some interviews um, recently with 10 CMOs and senior marketers in the UK and the US to ask them this question, what does growth marketing mean to you? Where do you see it going and developing in the future? Um, and there was a spectrum. So for some people, it just means good marketing. You know, some people would say, well, gross marketing for us or B2B. Yeah. You know, what would you, what marketing would not well, be? That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there is a spectrum. So it's like, yeah, it's good marketing. But then through to fully growth marketing in the in the kind of consensus that we got from those interviews is, is that is a properly integrated approach where you really do have shared objectives you're having to break down the silos you're having to integrate your disciplines you're you're having to put in place tangible measures and kpis that can be tracked over time reported on across the company um you know and and a lot of that i think is people might think they're doing it but actually then when they do start reading a little bit more about what it could achieve if, if you're truly making marketing the growth engine for a business and you're becoming accountable so you know where investors and shareholders are wanting businesses to grow marketing it can step up in b2b and say actually we can be the people to deliver that growth um that does take a different mindset and a different structure um and it's something that you know for large multinationals could be quite hard to reverse engineer whereas for smaller startups that are starting from a growth marketing mindset they can build their teams and their and their processes and their structures um, to deliver that yeah absolutely uh, tom i saw you were nodding along there to that kind of the the acknowledgement that it's becoming a lot more holistic you are talking to many more people now so that presumably is yeah. something you've had to grapple with yeah absolutely i think from previous experience and i mean a lot of people have sort of, uh, touched on it previously that alignment piece and i think what probably something that hasn't been mentioned is the alignment in my experience with products so a lot of the tech businesses now products is becoming a separate department in, in some cases and, and that makes them very siloed and i think when you talk about long-term and short-term strategy when you talk about marketing people think short-term strategy especially in the digital age you think you can switch on a facebook ad it will drive x amount of um, of users yeah. and consumers but i think when you're thinking about growth marketing being this sort of relationship build and building long-term loyalty nps brand advocacy and community really around the product, then 
that that strategy has to has to align with the product strategy and has to have a, a strong sort of ownership of the product strategy as well in, in some cases um, because ultimately that that sort of loyalty and building that long-term loyalty is going to lead to that longer-term sustainable growth rather than just in a lot of businesses where it's short-term you don't have the product market fit necessarily and users come in and they will churn very quickly mm. and so while the numbers look great in the short term you're not sort of you're not building for success for the future well how do you advise brands go about building uh, growth marketing into wider marketing plans is it through showing them you know kpis of what is possible from previous case studies is it from just kind of talking to them about what is necessary to transform what would you say and i'm going to throw this over to the panel say whoever gets it first what would you say is how we actually go about sort of building growth marketing into those wider plans i think again for, for me it often comes down to the leadership and, and the mindset of the leadership. So do you have a leadership team who already understand the benefits of growth marketing or brand building uh, and being integrated to, to, with sales activation? Uh, therefore, do they already, uh, you know, are, are you preaching to the converted? Or if you're not, are they at least open to understanding more about that? And then it might be either a case of making sure that you do have those uh, measures in place up front that you can report on across the business that you are tracking. So again, I'm talking from a B2B point point of view. So you're kind of tracking and reporting properly with your sales team in a CRM so that over time you can start showing those trends that are building up. Um, those are obviously lagging indicators. Though, so you're having to wait maybe a couple of years to be able yeah. to show that. So in the interim, it might be enough to be taking, if you're talking again about that kind of long and short-term balance, just taking in the research that's out there. So if you look at like the, you know, the day and field piece, they, they've done B2B research as well as B2C showing the kind of the long and the short-term um, balance that you need. So it's there is evidence out there that you can take to say, look, we need these factors to work together um, yeah. for growth marketing if you don't already have that evidence within your own company. Uh, and, and Chris, then what would you say, you know, based on what Heather said there, are there verticals, are there sectors that are kind of primed to have those conversations already? Or is it something that is, I suppose, widely applicable? I, I think it's I think it's wider than that. I think going back to the original um question, I don't think that I think when you're when you're working like you're you're looking to to establish different KPIs and different performance metrics with a with a client. Um, I, I genuinely think in the context of growth marketing, none of them are the, are the same. So really the, the biggest thing um, is about how that client is willing to engage with you as an agency partner, because, um, and this also touches on the, the, you know, one of the points we talked about earlier with data, because ultimately if, if, if you're forming a genuine extension of that client's business, and you are um, embedding the right level of tech and you've got the right understanding of the wider kind of infrastructure they've got in place, um, then actually the their kind of their operating structure is enabling you to achieve those growth marketing outcomes mm. and establish those those KPIs and those performance models alongside them um, rather than kind of applying some kind of templated approach to growth marketing because ultimately the really cool thing about growth marketing and the differentiating factor to just performance marketing yeah. is that it's not one size fits all. It's not, okay, well, we, you know, we want to hit this KPI or that benchmark that you've always worked to or beat it by 10% or whatever. This is about like almost to some extent business transformation. In in many cases, it's, it's you sitting there and sometimes you'll sit there with senior leadership and they'll tell you where they want the business to go. Others will look there and go, well, I want you to tell me how much potential is in my business. Mm. And 
And that way you're then kind of inverting the process because you're establishing what those those long-term objectives need to be. And just for the benefit of the listeners who obviously don't have the benefit of my video, there was a lot of vigorous nodding when Chris there talked about <laughs> kind of the, the differentiation between that and performance marketing. So absolutely. And I want to start closing off the discussion by, I suppose, touching upon something that we've mentioned before, which is what are some of those ongoing trends that we've seen around growth marketing that we should expect to see continue or even some new trends emerging over the next couple of years. Fred, do you want to go first with that? Because I know you're likely to have a, a slightly different point of view than everybody else. Yeah, I mean, I think it was quite, just to touch on the last point that Chris was making, I, we sort of approach it somewhat differently, which is mm. sometimes with clients, we, we think that um, when you try and get them to understand the whole thing, it's just a little too frightening. <laughs> um, and so you almost actually look at the business and go, where can I de design a series of experiments to show you within a small confined area where the proof of the pudding is for this channel, this type of thing, to just give you a flavor of what that isolated thing looks like and how you might apply it to the rest of your... And I find that works quite well in terms of at least trying to get the, the progress across. I think the, the challenge is one I think I've alluded to, to, to answer your question, Chris, yeah. uh, going forwards, is, is really going to be around the volume and quality of data changing and what you need to do to get your data into the shape that it needs to be to actually really execute good growth marketing strategies. So I think one of the challenges I still see a lot of the time with, with, uh, with um, strategies being executed are the quality of data isn't great. The quality of data integration across platforms isn't great. The things that clients really want to obsess about, like Tom alluded to earlier about engagement, some of the things people choose to get bothered about really, <laughs> really don't make an awful lot of sense sometimes if we're being, being honest about it. And I think that there is there is always this, this slight problem with you know, even clients in, in similar industries wanting to benchmark against each other. Do we spend similar amounts of money in similar amounts of places to that? Do we get similar returns of performance and conversion rates? And, mm. and as Chris's point is, I think that actually the more that, that businesses evolve and the more that we move away from this, this, this piece, and I think this is where B2B is going to be even more interesting because I think actually B2B is going to be at the point where you can really still track transactional level interactions because of the nature of the process that you've got we're in consumer behavior that's literally going to die within the next 18 months and so how we rebuild all of those things for better first party data better advocacy through enhanced use of crm through multiple platforms and how we then actually understand the process of making the front end piece work mm. work from a media and asset exploration experimentation I think it's going to be where the evolution comes from. But I, I'm, I'm consistently surprised, even where we sit today, where I kind of look at some client, got quite an interesting one that's asking us to, to figure out their marketing mix for them because they spend lots of money on TV. And, and the reality is their data quality is so poor because of the way they collected it. I can give you a 70% estimate of what's likely to be right. Yeah. But because actually what you've collected is so bad that my answer to you is, okay, you spend 50 million pounds a year and you've now got to start again. So right. year one, <laughs> is start again and collect yeah. the data in the right way. We can give you the 70%, you know, crazy about, you probably want to put a little bit more there and you want to take a little bit out of that and you want to do a bit more of that and a bit more of that Christmas and a bit less of, but you know, they're really quite macro levers. So I am consistently surprised by that. And that's the bit I actually am spending more and more time with clients on over the next sort of year is we need to get that bit right. We need to get that bit right in context of what we've got going forwards. And we've got to probably be prepared for a little bit of, um, turbulence mm. as those things kind of work themselves out and we figure out how we make those things work over 
know, not just what's happening in the, the our world, but yeah. let's be honest, the last two years, the only thing we've really learned is you can't predict what's going to happen next. And I think we're probably leaving in a period where we go, that's also the same. So for us yep. that really deal with consumers, you've kind of got that additional layer that sits on top of all of those things, which means that uh, I would, this in the context of this conversation is quite interesting is that um, a lot of the data we've generated over the last couple of years, we don't even know how real it is. Mm. And, and that particular data hygiene conversation is something that I know we're going to have a lot more of. In fact, I think we actually have an upcoming podcast that is specifically about data hygiene and how it's being uh, examined through a marketing lens. So, yeah. Uh, but Tom, what would you say some of those, from your perspective at least, what are some of those upcoming trends that you're sort of most excited about when it comes to growth marketing? Yes, I'd absolutely agree with the data piece. Um, for me, it's um, making sure that, uh, that that data you're collecting has a purpose. Um, the, you're not collecting data for the sake of it. We know we're moving towards a more cookless future, obviously with Google. Um, and I think I, I think you need to make sure that the data points that you're collecting have an outcome. Uh, in your marketing and your growth marketing strategy, for me, that that speaks to the trend of personalization and hyperlocalization. Mm. Um, something we're very focused on at Frog is real-time marketing, the right message at the right time. But you can't deliver that unless you have that underpinning data, um, and you have that in a way that you can deliver it in a meaningful way. Um, and I think it's still a, a really relevant trend as well. It, it is balancing that personalization with what the user sees as, as valuable personalization. It isn't too much. There's been a lot of talk, you know, about users feeling like they're being uh, followed around the internet. You know, they're being um, hyper-targeted almost. Yeah. And, and so I think you have to build that trust relationship with the user. Um, so when you talk about the move to sort of a cookless future and collecting more data, that zero-party data, making them feel that they are exchanging their data in return for something meaningful and that you're building that relationship with the brand. And therefore, when they land, whether it's on the website, whether they see your marketing material, they're not surprised by that. And, and the personalization has the impact that it's desired to have. I think from a localization point of view, what I see is businesses that either um, operate a sort of a hub and spoke model where their marketing teams and we're local, but they don't have the expertise and capabilities to deliver that more hyper-localized content. There's, there's definitely a focus on that. So the message doesn't get lost through different cultural language cues. Um, but equally, businesses that are maybe scaling internationally and have started mm -hmm. in a home market, whether that be the UK, as they scale, that they have that right hyper-local strategy in place so that when they do localization, it, it, it comes across in the right way and it isn't lost and, and it has the right impact to help their sort of international growth. Yeah, certainly. And that's something that we, we covered very briefly on a previous podcast, actually, about travel marketing and sort of how you def desperately need to have local knowledge and kind of that expertise to do growth authentically and effectively. So, yeah, absolutely. And Heather, you're coming at this from the B2B perspective. So what would be some of those trends? We touched upon kind of data. I know that you, you, you mentioned that before as well. Where do you see some really exciting things coming down the pipe for growth marketing? I think one thing, so, so for B2B, account-based marketing has been a big thing for many years, but I think to support growth marketing, that's going to broaden out now. So we're hearing a lot more now about account-based experience. So where account-based marketing, so it's treating accounts as the markers in one, essentially taking your strategic accounts and building plans around them, that tended to be or tends to be currently led by marketing and sales. 
um, account-based experience is trying to broaden that out to include more teams within the business. So again, it could be product, as Tom mentioned, or it could be service delivery. It could be as far as kind of legal um, finance teams to make sure that your accounts get a consistent experience across all those different touch points. Mm. And then also extending that further on either end of the customer journey as well. So all the digital touch points are kind of relevant to the subsector they're in through to when they're being onboarded into a customer uh, and the experience they get through the process of working with the vendor. So I think account-based experience, we're definitely seeing more and more people investigating that and looking into how they can build that into their plans. Um, the other thing that I think is quite interesting that I'd, I'd like to potentially see more of is changes in organizational structures. So I've mm. mentioned that before. Um, one of the interviewees, I, I said we, we interviewed 10 people about growth marketing, and one of them had um, a really interesting example where because it was a startup, they were able to build their front office from scratch. So instead of having kind of separate sales, marketing, and product teams, they had what they call a growth tribe. So it's still the same spread of skills, but they're working together collaboratively. So for example, um, a salesperson might mentor a service delivery per, a rep through a customer renewal process, um, helping them upsell or introduce a new proposition. So they're very much seeing where the growth is, is opportunity is, and then putting the right skills behind that in a quite an agile way. Yeah, absolutely. And and just for the benefit of the audio listeners, again, more vigorous nodding then. So yeah, there's a lot of agreement in the panel today. And Chris, you have the unenviable task of going last when we talk about trends. So is there anything that the rest of the panel hasn't touched upon that you want to see more of in growth marketing? Well, it, it is made very difficult because I was one of those that was nodding um, a lot <laughs> in that section in agreement, thinking, uh, yeah, I would have said that. So it's quite, um, it's quite tricky. Um I would definitely echo a lot of what um, what Heather was saying there. Like, uh, I think experience is a really key word in our industry now. Um, not not that it never has been. I just think when you look at it from a consumer point of view, they're smarter than they ever have been. The opportunity to transact is easier than it ever has been, and therefore the onus is on a brand to be optimizing that experience as much mm-hmm. as possible to ensure that they maximize the value. Um, and uh, and obviously, like we touched on earlier, like how first-party data is going to be critical. The use of first-party data is how you're going to be able to optimize the experience. Because you know, when you're when you're um, thinking about digital, the number of touch points, number of opportunities, and the ability for someone to be able to do their own research on that product prior to, prior to them purchasing is only increasing. So your visibility and understanding of each and every one of those consumers um, is then heightened that much further. And when you couple that with the fact that we're we're contending or we're swimming against the tide a little bit in terms of how we use third-party cookies um, for the most part, and that's just going to put greater onus on how they use first-party data to make sure that they can optimize the experience. If they can optimize the experience, that will allow them ultimately to drive long-term value from their customers. And if they can do that, that ultimately is how they can maximize the value in their business. And then coupled to all of that is obviously all the stuff that Tom was talking about. I think ad personalization, relevancy, um, optimization, um, speeding up creative um, production is going to be an integral part of how you deliver those messages to people, ensuring there's, there's that ongoing relevance. So for me, all of that stuff is already in, in, in process. I think um, us as marketeers, 
we're always adapting to the way the consumers are changing. So, so what we're doing, I think we're moving in the right direction. The really interesting thing that I, I don't think was mentioned, so luckily I can, um, I can, <laughs> I I can add good, some yeah. value to this section, would be I think the, um, the really exciting thing is also the fact that I think senior business decision makers across the board are, are um, gaining a lot more interest in their marketing function. And therefore, they're having a lot more involvement. They're understanding um, you pull this lever, this happens. I see this return at the end of it yeah. um, in, in every respect. And I think there's a really exciting opportunity for for um for us as, as marketers to help with that education process and and um and ultimately I think that's gonna that's gonna ensure that um really growth marketing sees a lot of airtime in the future with at every level of of a client's business moving forwards. Nice, fantastic. So it's a growth industry for us as well as kind of the, the clients we work on on behalf of. Fantastic. Well, yeah. then as a very final question to everyone, we always ask our guests, uh, where can our listeners reach you if they want to bend your ear about anything you've spoken about or really get any information about your organizations? So Chris, can we stick with you? Where's the best place for people to reach you? Well, um, for me, I love having a conversation. So um, I, I'd love the fact if anyone wants to pick up the phone and just have a chat, meet for a coffee. Um, I'm really open to that. So the best thing to do is jump on our website, spaceandtime.co.uk. All my details are there. Give us a buzz and let's chat. Amazing. Fantastic. And Fred? If you want to speak to me, it's probably LinkedIn's the, the easiest place to, to find me. And uh, for the agency, it's through the website, threepopreply.com is probably the, the easiest way to go. Very nice. And Tom? Uh, to find out more about what we do, you can visit frogdesign.com. Um, and uh, personally, uh, always open to uh, a chat over LinkedIn. So uh, feel free to reach out and connect. Amazing. And Heather? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn, Heather Barnett, and the agency website is themarketingpractice.com. Very nice. And not one of you said, actually, no, I don't want to talk to anybody. So that's great. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to have this chat. I know that we're going we're gonna to circle back to growth marketing on the podcast in another couple of months. But for now, thank you so much to Chris, to Farad, to Tom and to Heather for taking the time to appear on the podcast. And thank you to everybody listening at home. So thank you very much and goodbye. <laughs>